I am unashamed. What about you? So welcome back to Unashamed. Uh, last podcast, we got into a lot of what we've been doing around here lately. So today we're going to dive right into our text uh, that we didn't quite get to last time. We kind of gave an overview because I preached a sermon about it. Um, but it's back to Luke 20, which is now Jesus is sort of holding court. So I want to read this text because it's going to lead us into our other, what I'm saying is seven different instances or teachings or questions. And Jace made a point in a past podcast about how many times you say Jace, that he asked questions. Was it like 500, in the hundreds, right? 588 total. Some of those are repeats. So. Three hundred and ten, roughly, if you take out the repeats in the Gospels. He was he was forty forty to one times more likely to ask a question than give an answer a straight answer. Yeah, which is really interesting because, and I hadn't thought about that, but how much he does that, and he's going to do it here in this first text. You think about it, this thing is coming to a head, Al, with what you went through yesterday and all that. What's interesting about all this, Jesus knew enough about it and was dead on. Correct. We're going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. That's a lot. Yep. You just think about it. He, behind him, all the scriptures. He'll be handed over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. I mean, he's so detailed about the exact way he was going to die. On the third day, he will rise again. The disciples did not understand any of this. So what you preached on yesterday, the Roman world, including the ones that Jesus hand-picked to do his work. They did not understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them, and they did not know what he was talking about. Yep. To me, that's the most amazing thing. Yep. I mean, because you'd say, well, it was a failure. He, they all, they didn't believe him. Right. But they believed enough. Yeah. They had enough faith to say, Okay, right. we, we, but, but they had to look at the resurrection. Make right, it, right, right. What he said, they said, had to see if it was true or not. And then they got to looking around saying, that, that, that's what he was talking about. Right. I mean, that, that, that takes a lot of grit to get people to turn all the way back to here. Yeah. It's just, it's just the way it is. No, you're right. And it's always far more knowledge of it of, of of Jesus and what he did and what he's now doing and will do. Has has come miles, miles. It's it's been remarkable. Oh yeah, no, you're right, Dad. And what's amazing is anytime you get here in the text, because you're a week away from him dying and being resurrected. So. They're right there at the precipice of understanding. Even they didn't know. But what they didn't did. get it. at this point. They were like everybody else. They thought. The lead into Jerusalem was to take over and put us in charge. Because you probably shouldn't be surprised when somebody says, "What is it, Jesus? What are you talking about?" That's right. 
That's exactly right. Well, I was thinking about Zach said. So, they look at it like a joke. Yeah, Zach said yeah. something in the overtime about from Jace was reading from John 14 and the idea that, you know, they, they were with Jesus, you know, and he was saying, but look, it's, it's, you know, when I, when I send my Holy spirit, it's going to be better. But you remember that you were on target when you were talking about that, because he said that you're blessed because you're with me and you see me, but the people that don't see me, that believe in me, they're even more blessed than you are. Yeah. Which is pretty amazing when you think about it because that's us. I mean, yeah. that's anybody that's been yeah. around since or anybody that was there before that believed that somehow there was redemptive power because of the Messiah. So I think that proves exactly what you were talking about that the Holy Spirit gives us something that gives us an advantage, even over well, the ones yeah. that walk with Jesus. Well, Jesus himself said in that in that text in John fourteen through six sixteen or seventeen, he's, um, I think Jay's quoted John sixteen. Uh, he's but and yeah, I think at right. fourteen he says it's it's good. He said it is good that I leave. Yeah, uh, you know, and better you for think you. About, it's better for you that I leave, yeah. and he gives a reason because if I if I don't leave, then he won't come. That's right, and, and, it, and so it's yeah. it's it is this picture of like. Because it is, I mean, you got to think about that must have been difficult. I mean, it was difficult. It was difficult for the disciples when they saw Jesus crucified. I mean, we know what Peter did. I mean, Peter denied him three times. They scattered. They were afraid. They were hiding. You know, what like they didn't know what he was going to tell them. Peter knew what he said. I'm yeah, going to go up to under- Jerusalem and they're going to flog oh, me. Oh, yeah. He me. said it multiple times. He did, and, and he. It's like they just couldn't get it. They just could not get it. But then the spirit came in Acts two, and you do see just a marked difference from that moment on the day of Pentecost, and then just, I mean, the church just, I mean, exploded. I mean, on yeah. that day, and it continued to you move into the stoning of Stephen. Which, by the way, I mean, think about even that the stoning of Stephen. He was hitting at this same kind of message. I mean, Stephen. The reason why he got killed was because he said, yeah. God doesn't live in your temples. He, do, right. he doesn't live in the temples made by the hands of men, exactly. which, by the way, the one giving the approval for the stoning of Stephen was Saul of Tarsus, who also said the same thing when he became Paul, when he went to the Areopagus in Acts chapter 17. What did he tell the Greco-Roman philosophers? The Lord your God doesn't live in your temples built by man's hands. So there's this. This this idea of God not living in the man-made temples, but he lives in us as temple, as the, the living stones of the temple, being via the Holy Spirit living in us. That's what Jesus was getting at when he said, it's good that I, I leave y'all. Trust me, you want me to go so that he will come. It's the full fruition of the scheme of, re- we heard it growing up called the scheme of redemption, but it's it's uh, that's what it is. It's yeah. just how God accomplishes. Which is basically the entire story of the Bible and the Old Testament. I, uh, personally, I believe that Peter was all in until he cut that guy's ear off because he's like, he pulled his sword out and said, let's go, let's get it, I'm ready. Yep. And then Jesus put the guy's ear back on and said, that's not the way we're going to do this. And he was the one preached the gospel and he was saying to him save yourselves from this corrupt generation those who accepted his message were baptized it's amazing that there it but there was 3000 were added to their number that day 
what's always I've thought about is what they did after that. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, the breaking of bread, to prayer, just just what we would call not terribly big things, but a lot of small ones. Everyone was filled with awe. Many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. You say, why would they, the apostles be doing that? To show them this is this is real. Yeah, this is real. I mean, they were they were looking at some of the things they were doing. They were like, how in the world? It took that much for them to get together. And there's the three thousand. Yep. Well, you could fast forward to twenty twenty three. You could say, hmm, it's grown a lot. But think about it though, Dad, and that was the what was Peter's immediate reaction after Jesus said, "That's not the way we're going to advance this kingdom." He went out in the courtyard, and three times he was asked if he was with him, and he said, I don't even know the blankety-blank man. That's right. So his immediate reaction was, like many of us, if we're not going to fight our way out of this, then I'm out. That, that, that's yeah. right. Until, but two things changed. Between, they were getting out of Dodge. Two things changed between that episode and the one you described to him leading the church. And what were they? The resurrection and the giving of the Holy Spirit. Yep. Those two things changed Peter and the rest of his life, and it's changed our lives as well. It's the same exact thing. Yep. So, well, you look, at, you look at when he cut the man's ear off. I mean, Jesus in that moment clearly displayed the ability and the power because he took the ear <laughs> and reattached it. So, that's I mean, what, it wasn't a matter. I think, it, I think it, I mean, that's a good point. You're talking to a man, Peter, that had watched him raise the dead. You think yeah. well, I, I, I ought to? I ought to get it. It wasn't a lack of power, Zach. You're right. I don't think it was. I think it was he saw when he realized. Wait, we're the, the, wait, wait. What? Like this is going to require suffering and like what? I, I, he didn't have a category for it, and I don't think he. I mean, I, I think it was like he probably must have been super confused because he did not have a category for the gospel, which is kind of interesting. I tell this to people all the time. The greatest apologetic for. For Jesus is Jesus. I mean, it. There's no category for the for the story of Jesus. There's no like. There's no reference. There's no like. I mean, in that moment, he he did not have a way to make sense of this. To think, wait, wait. You got you have the power clearly because you're putting the man's ear back on, but you're letting them arrest you. Yeah. And then when they were beating him, I mean, he had the I, power I to heal himself, know. but he didn't. Because I think I'm, what, I'm sure yeah. Peter, Peter must have just been like, what like, what is going on here. Yeah, you know, big time. Well, I think what you're going to see is I think most religious people think we had the Pharisees on one side, which we're fixed to read a story that he just lit them up. You know, the teachers of the law in this parable of the tenants. And then in the Sadducees in the very next, well, one paragraph later. And so then religious people today will say, you know, Jesus was, because they were at two polar ends of the religious spectrum back then. You know, the Sadducees kind of represented the rich and the, the first class, and they were more liberal and all that. They didn't you believe in. a little bit of that late, lately? Yeah, they didn't believe in, in the afterlife or angels or judgment. It was just. It, you trust us, and 
Yeah. It, uh, it, nothing really matters, you know? And then the Pharisees, they're all like the total opposite. They're, they're representing the middle class and the poor, but they're like, if you work hard enough, long enough, ritualistic worship, and you're morally good, you get more right than wrong, then God will have favor on you. Right. So we think, well, Jesus is somewhere in the middle. No, he's nowhere even in the spectrum. He's not on that spectrum. Because he redefined power, to go back to what you said about cutting the guy's ear off, in that Luke 6, you remember when we went back and he gave the blessings and the woes, and he said, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Well, that's the opposite of power that we know. Whoever has the most money has the most power. That has... That is transition to every culture and every kingdom. Yep. Money is the power. But he's like, well, you're blessed when you're poor. <laughs> he, he's redefining what power is. Yep. So blessed are you when you hunger now. Well, that's when you're comfortable, you're, you, you feel good. Why, why do you go out there and do anything? Well, you want to be comfortable. You don't want to be hungry. That makes you uncomfortable and makes you, you know, people look at you as not very powerful. It could make you even desperate. Yeah. So then he's like, well, blessed are you uh, when you weep for for you will laugh. And you're like, well, wait a minute. If people are crying around, that, that doesn't seem like a powerful position. Plus, it makes us uncomfortable when people cry. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean like yeah. when people are crying we're like, oh we gotta do something to stop that, right? Let's let's take a break. Yeah, so if you like look at money as power and you look as you know, having have enough uh food and being well off as successful, which is what we do. You can buy anything at the restaurant and then you look at at uh it's crying is maybe the comfort aspect in that. And then then he hits the recognition. Blessed are you when men hate you. Well, how are you going to have a following if people hate you? And that he's redefining what his kingdom is like. And it's the exact opposite of everybody else's kingdom. They're like, we got all the money. We can make you comfortable. We'll make you happy. And we'll take care of you and people, you know, will love you if you're with us. I mean, that that's what a kingdom does. That's what it offers. Yeah, yeah. And he's saying the opposite. Woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed, for you'll go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. For that is how their, how their fathers treated the false prophets. So that's what they were having trouble with. How are we going to be successful if we're crying, hungry, have no money, and people hate us? <laughs> so that's where his power was going to move in and do his best work, which he proved on the cross. Yep. That's why we're here to serve and surrender and right. sacrifice and be humble and do all these things. Yep. Yet the, he then exudes a boldness when he's, when he says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. You're like, well, who do you think you are? Who's giving you this authority? And my kingdom is the polar opposite of what you think. Right. So that's what he's presenting, which is why they're challenging his authority in, in where, we're, where we're at. So he, he does that with the John's baptism, 
which confused him. He never answers the question because really he's not going to prove his authority till his death, burial, and resurrection, even though they should have known by all the miracles. But, wow. you know, you can rationalize against miracles. Yeah, but that's my point, Jase. I think I, I say they framed a dishonest question to Jesus because they already knew. Well, they're all dishonest. Yeah. Every we're fixed to see three questions, and right. they're all dishonest. They're all dishonest. Should we pay taxes? Uh, what was the one that the one we're talking about, John the Baptist? What was their question? Uh, are you talking about the one he asked? Oh, them? by what authority right. are you doing these things? Who, who gave, who gave you this? And we know why they were asking that because now they're trying to get him on record in the temple in Jerusalem to paint this picture to get him killed, which yep. is what happened. Well, he's in the temple courts. And That's they're right. like, hey, we've already got this arrangement with God. Yeah. And you're from you know, go back to building. We've your got houses. the authority to be here. That's what they're yeah. saying. Yeah. Who who do you? Yeah. You don't he had no credentials. He didn't go to the Pharisee Bible school. You know, he had one argument when he was twelve. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That was basically his temple experience from yeah. what I'm gathering. Every time he goes in there, he makes everybody mad. That's right. And now he's driving out people who have turned it into a way to make money. But, he, but here's, here was the beauty of it, Jay. This is what I made the point in my sermon yesterday. He took a dishonest question and gives them an honest question back. Okay, let me ask you a question. John's baptism, was it from God or was it from men? And then they immediately look at it from a dishonest way. Well, if we say this, well, either it is or it isn't. There's no if we say this. But when you have bad motives, this is where you go. If we say it was from God, he's going to say, well, why didn't you do it? Yeah. But if we say it's for men, then we got to deal with the people because they recognize John as a prophet because he was. Jesus yeah. had truth on his side. So when, he, when they said, well, we don't know, that was a lie. To another, that now they're answering dishonestly and they ask dishonest questions. And Jesus said, Okay, so I won't tell you about whose authority. In other words, if you're not going to approach me honestly, you get no answers from me. And so I made yeah. the point a step further Jesus doesn't answer dishonest questions. And I think the picture of the rich young ruler in Zacchaeus is a perfect example of that. That rich young ruler came up and said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He already knew the answer to that question. He wanted Jesus to tell him something else. And when Jesus said, okay, just get rid of your stuff, and you're good to go. And he walked away sad. Why? Because he loved his stuff more than he loved which God. Which goes to Luke 6, which is the underlying theme here about the kingdom being that he was bringing is for the world. But when you go out there and announce that Jesus is king and Lord, the understood byproduct of that is they may take away all your money. They may take away all your food because you're making people mad here. They may take right. away the things that make you They may make laugh. you cry, <laughs> and they're surely going to hate you and say all kind of false things that, Phil, you've been a poster child for that yep. and insult you because of the Son of Man, because of who you're, you're following, which that makes this kingdom less appealing to people, which is why all the high and mighties don't want anything to do with it. That's they right. want to attack him, and that's why the only people that are showing up to this are the people that are already crying hungry. And the only thing <laughs> that, that, that makes them quiet, if you say, uh, yeah, I noticed you're ranting and raving, but if I had agreed with you and said, well, these sins here, don't you go ahead and do what you want to, and you just go on and on and on, 
and you never they'll leave you alone then. Yeah. Just agree with them. They'll yeah. get off yeah. right off of you. Oh, that's right. You'll be one of theirs. That's exactly right. You'll be accepted. Well, I would I would say this though. I've noticed this interesting caveat to that though. There is a caveat to that. That it I don't know if it's as much about the the actual issues. Um and this is evident when you see things like um what's happening right now in, in Israel and you have you know, Hamas invades Israel and I mean if you read the atrocities of what happened there i mean it it, it was brutal i mean oh, absolutely brutal. brutal awful and and you think about what what is hamas actually what, what do they stand for and what do they stand against i mean if you want to talk about real oppression of the lgbtq community i mean these guys are brutal i mean very brutal but yeah then you have a somehow you have like a merging of a lot of young people now a lot of uh, uh progressive leaning people are actually siding with Hamas over and 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 over Israel, and it's like, wait a second, like this doesn't make any sense. And and you start to look even deeper into it. Um, J.K. Rowland a few years ago had said something about um, women who menstruate or people who menstruate. She said, "You mean women?" And then the the trans community came after her, but she's a known feminist, and it's like the it's it's just this weird. Um, thing happening in our culture where where the left is actually eating itself in all forms. And so I don't know if it's necessarily, to me, it's not about the issues. I mean, when you think about what is so offensive about Christianity, I don't think it is our stance on morality. I don't think it's that because other religions are way, are way, way more oppressive. If you want to look at it as oppression, it's not oppression, but, but definitely from, from, uh, from Islam it is. But, um, it's say, what is it? What what is it about Christianity that is so hard to, to, to for people to get? And I think it actually is the man Jesus. I think well, it's it's who he is. I, I, yeah. it, it's it's that it's that that this is a, a not a religion in the sense of you know so, this is actually a way of life. It's the Jesus is the way. He's claiming to be the way, and and this Holy Spirit invading and living in a human heart. I mean that. That's a whole nother level that I think that's what's so scary for people. They don't understand it's actually liberating, but what's scary is, is that it demands your whole entire being. That's, well, think, that's what Christ is calling. I think the problem is with what you just said. I actually am going to give you a different view on this because, and I got this from when we get to the resurrection and marriage that the Sadducees bring up. Because if you think about it, here's people who don't believe in the afterlife. They don't believe in any kind of spirits, angels, you know, the gods a million miles away. They do believe in God, but he's a million miles away and don't really care about. Yeah, they were sort of deist. Yeah, current affairs. But when you think about it, in our culture today, because in, in light of the afterlife, if you don't believe in an intelligent design to the earth, if you don't believe in any kind of afterlife, well, then it's actually absurd to follow any kind of moral basis. Yeah. Because does it, it's like that song, rock and roll song. Nothing really matters to me. What's it really matter? If there was no intelligent design, if we were just, if this just happened by random chance and there's no afterlife, well, what does it really matter? Yeah. So I think that's what you see in our culture when people in mass numbers have the lack of belief in those two things. No, I, I agree with that. They would say to you, what y'all are saying is impossible. 
Well, right. Without so, faith, so nothing matters. You know, just put that on your playlist and play it over and over, and then then you'll start making decisions that are irrational. No, I agree with you, Jay's. In fact, I think that's the foundation to this whole section, is because they're presenting this mindset and view. And you're right, the Sadducees were even more than the Pharisees because they did believe in some of those things after life and and heaven. But it's interesting because that's their point. They're coming to Jesus in this case. And just like I was mentioning about the rich and ruler, but they're they're ultimately saying, What do I get out of this? But that's a bad that's a terrible question. That's a dishonest way to approach Jesus. What do I get out of this? I need to read that list. If anybody ever asks you that, what did I get out of this if I become a Christian? Read them those that list you read a minute ago. Well, yeah. <laughs> you're going to get... You're probably going to lose your money. Uh, you're probably going to be hungry at times. Uh, you're going to do some crying. It may be from a jail cell. Get a little persecution. And yeah. you're going to get a lot of persecution. But guess what? That's what it looks like following Jesus. But what I was going to make the point earlier about bringing that up, redefining the kingdom, you're not going to get those things if you don't declare publicly Jesus is... King and Lord. Yeah, that's true. That's Nobody's gonna mess yeah, with you. It, it, it's I, I, I'd, I'd have a, another caveat there though. What, what you just said of what you're going to get out of it, if you th- if you if we use Jesus Himself as kind of our our um, the one we're going to fix our eyes on to mo- model who did suffer, right? Jesus suffered uh, the cross. He suffered scorning and shamed. Uh, he suffered. Uh, he suffered a lot. But if you look in Hebrews, it gives us a caveat of the motivation, not a caveat, it gives us the motivation for why Jesus suffered on the cross and why he uh, despised the shame. And it says here, it says that looking to Jesus, so we, we look to him, this is Hebrews twelve two, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for, this is the reason why, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and the seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So if, if someone asks like what's in it for, for us, you, you may suffer and endure a cross, but you do it for the joy that's set before you. And what is that joy? That joy is what Jesus talked about in John 14 to John uh, 17. It's, it's union with Christ. It's being one, it's, it's being grafted into the, the triune God, it's, it's, he's inviting us into the relationship. He's inviting us into the dance, as C.S. Lewis said. And it's that, that's what we hang on to. And, and, and the kingdom here and the kingdom now that we teach a lot on this podcast is the idea that we don't have that in its full form here, but we do get to taste it. We get to taste it a lot as we walk in the spirit. We get to taste the deeper things of reality that really speak to the core of our being and the longings of our heart. And that's what's in it for us. It's a, it's a satisfaction. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for what they shall be filled. That's the thing that we're going after. And all the other things that we think are going to satisfy us, they don't. And, and it's, it's giving, it's, it's, it's letting those things die away and then letting the things of God, the new wine, be poured in, into us. Well, I agree with you, and that's what we mainly preach on. But I'm just saying, in Luke's context of Jesus, this is why they're not grasping it, because he is saying 
These things are going to happen. This is not going to be popular. That you're, 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 you may be crushed. And look, yeah. they eventually all were. Yeah. So I think we do a good job of giving what Zach just said, because that is true. The, this, we're, we're winning on this. When death is not a problem, obviously, this is way better. You get to spend eternity with the Lord and the people that you love and, and have this fellowship with in what is known as the real church, which is people who are housing the Holy Spirit. I mean, I'm, I wouldn't miss that for the world. But you do have to remember that it's not like the Pharisees and the Sadducees saying that, oh, because I have a lot of money and I have a position of importance, that means God is has shown favor to me. No, you're just wrapped up in the material things of life and have missed the true king. Exactly, yeah. which was the point of that earlier. So let me read this next section because this goes to right what you just said. Well, before you read it, so what would, we never summed up. Why do you think he asked him the question, what John's baptism? Why did he bring up John's baptism when it came to authority? I mean, we never gave a bumper sticker reason for that. It, well, here's my bumper sticker for it you didn't believe in John, how would you ever believe in me? I mean, in other words, that was pretty clear that this man was from God and was the picture of Micah, the, you know, four, the coming in the spirit of Elijah. You wouldn't listen to him. You don't even have a clear answer for who he was. You can't even answer the question. Well, good. And so now you I'm have glad you said that. Cause I just wanted to say before you read this, the reason they, the, his point was because you don't like the package. Yep, exactly. Yeah. John the Baptist was wearing skin, animal skins, and, and it just looked like. And a, he went out in the middle of nowhere, like a freak. And then you don't like my me because I'm riding donkeys and you know building houses over here, a carpenter, and from nowhere in the wrong side of the tracks. And guess what? Today, they still don't like the package. That's good. I mean, point. Phil, they look at you and say, "No." <laughs> you, you, I mean, it doesn't matter what you say. When you go out there and stand up, you've lost some of the audience because they thought, no way this guy's affiliated with anything godly. And dad embraced and so, it because dad used to say when he'd be in front of an audience, hey, what do I look like? Some kind of preacher? And everybody would laugh. <laughs> yeah. But what I'm saying is when you go out and share Jesus, that you, some people are going to respond by saying, well, who do you think you are? That's it. Well, guess what? When Jesus went and preached, what did they say? Well, who do you think, who you, think are? you are? Well, what authority? What? You, well, you claiming you're, you're not a sinner? That's what they tell us. Now, Jesus was the only one that could say, that's exactly what I'm claiming. claiming. Well, let me let me say this because I love what you just said, Al. Uh, they didn't believe yeah. John the Baptist, right? And he's thinking about well, the same group of people or, or type of people. Uh, going back to what I mentioned in a, I think maybe a previous podcast or over time, and I mentioned uh, the stoning of Stephen, and I said what what got Stephen killed was that he said that God doesn't live in houses made by man's hand, as the prophet says. Heaven is my throne. So this, I, I keep bringing it back to this temple idea because I think it's key. Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. This is an Old Testament prophecy. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of, of my rest? Did not my hands make all these things? Like Who's going to build? Like, what, like, what am I going to build for, for, for God? You know, like, and, and then this is what he says here in verse 51 of Acts 7. You stiff-necked people. 
uncircumcised in your heart and ears, you always resisted the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. And I love this next line because it, it, it hits with the same thing that's going on here in Luke 20. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you now have betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. I mean, this is the core of what Jesus is saying here. You you guys didn't, you, you always killed the prophets. You you never listened to the prophets. You didn't listen to John the Baptist. You didn't listen to Isaiah. You didn't listen to, you didn't listen to any of them. Like, and, and every time they were all talking about me, you'd even, you don't even like listen to the scriptures. I mean, you, you study the scriptures diligently and by them you think you're saved, but they're pointing to me. I'm right here standing in front of you and you're, you're not, get, you guys are, you're hard hearted. And I think that's the key of what Jesus is he's pointing out here is this heart and this mentality that is just refuses to submit to the God who is right there in front of them. Instead, they said, no, nah, we want to put you in our context and we want to control you instead of the other way around. And, and they I, I think killed, that's what he's hitting at. They killed Stephen on the spot, the one that was telling them that. They killed right, him right the, at, yeah, right right after he said that. Right yeah. after he said that, they you know, killed him. We don't him. have any problems, but then they, they they killed him immediately. So to your point, Zach, they practiced it by killing the guy who was telling this. All right, read our text. So. All right, before I read the text, i got to mention one thing because you brought this up about not liking the package. One is Zach's right. They haven't, they've really never liked the package because it didn't fit into their narrative. But when you said that, I, it, it took me back to Jesus saying, John came not eating or drinking, yeah. and you said he had a demon. In other words, he kept all the food laws. He was a Nazarite. He never drank a drop of anything. You, and you said he had a demon with me. I drink, I eat. I'm not one of these you know, teetotalers. And yet you say, what, I'm a drunkard and a... You know, yeah, because he's hanging out with the that's exactly right. So, the, so, so when, this, he's, when he says, then he says, the, then I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to tell you by what authority I do these things. What he's basically saying is, like, you wouldn't listen, anyways. <laughs> that's it. Well, that's, it, that's the bummer. Like, in Matthew's I'm not version, game. in Matthew's version, he went on to say, Wisdom is proved right by our actions. Yeah, because you're not listening to what I'm saying, but that's just right. w- watch me, just watch. Yeah, all right, I'm so good. here, so here's his response to all this. It's the next thing he does in this teaching setting where he's holding court here in the temple. So he goes on to tell this parable. Now, this is in response to what we've just been talking about. Where are you reading from? This is uh, Luke 20, verse 9. A man planted a vineyard, rented it to some farmers, and went away for a long time. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenant so they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. So to Zach's point, he's he's talking about these prophets that have been coming along. He sent another servant, but that one also they beat and treated shamefully and sent away empty-handed. He sent a third, and they wounded him and threw him out. Verse 13, then the owner of the vineyard said, what shall I do? I will send my son, whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. But Clearly the, talking about himself. Clearly talking about yeah. himself. But when the tenants saw him, they talked the matter over. Well, this is the heir, they said. Let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours, which is so crazy. That makes no logical sense. But Because the Pharisees, teachers law, love money. That's right. Money was power. He's a threat. Kill him. Yep. 
I mean, just think about that. This, there's no way this could work out for them. But it's so is, weird because the next paragraph, he doesn't even have a coin to do an illustration right. about whether you should pay <laughs> that's taxes. That's exactly, exactly right. So they threw him out of the vineyard and they killed him. And that's exactly what's about to happen in a week to Jesus. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. Now, that's the whole thing about opening up to all the nations. When the people heard this, now this is the people who are listening, and they say, may this never be. I mean, they recognize the injustice. They recognize the wrongness of it all. They see it, right? So Jesus looks directly at the people who've just said this and said, then what is the meaning? Here's another question. Then what is the meaning of that which is written? The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone or the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, but he on whom it falls will be crushed. I mean, there is no way out of this situation. The teachers of the law and the chief priests looked for a way to arrest him immediately because they knew he had spoken this parable against them, but they were afraid of the people. So there's still no moral clarity here. They still don't have an answer. But they look at the situation and they claim, we got to shut this guy up because he's totally talking about us. But then they're so afraid of the people because the people are sitting there saying, may this never happen. Which is another illustration because you're like, well, what happened to all this coming on a donkey in service and gently? Because this is bold. <laughs> it is bold. But he is a bold servant. He, his claims are bold and his actions are all in humility. And he and he's doing it for us, and that's why they can't recognize him as a true king. Right, you that's know? exactly right. So, yeah. Well, thank, well, and, and going back to what what does he quote here when he when he said? When he, I mean, he's given this picture of really the history of Israel of just one continual rejection of the prophet after after another, who were talking about the coming of the son. Then it's and then, so that's all of that history, and then it's also what's a, well, about to be history in the, in, the, in, the, in the coming days here is that Jesus will be killed, like the son's going to be killed. But listen to what he takes it back to in verse 17. I mean, we, we read it, but it's, a, it's a, another, it's the old, going back to this Old Testament idea. But Jesus looked at them and said, what then is this that is written? The stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone. And everyone who falls on that stone will be broken into pieces, but on whoever it falls, it will be scattered on him like dust. And you think about, I think this is a lot of what Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians 23 when he says that Christ, he said, we preach Christ him crucified unto the Jew, a stumbling block. And unto the Greek, it's foolishness. So it's like, this is like Christ being that cornerstone. And you cannot detach the teaching of Jesus here from what, and I hate to be repetitive, but it's it's repetitive in the scripture that he is establishing a new temple, a new cornerstone, and new living stones built on that temple. Paul talks about it in Ephesians. It's in it's in uh, uh, Peter talks about it. I mean, this idea that uh, Christ being a cornerstone upon which everything is built that that is what's happening here, and it's just systematically Jesus is laying out his case. It's the same case Stephen made that got him killed. It's the same case that Jesus will make that will get him killed in the end. Yeah, that's Ephesians true. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, 1 Peter 2, 
Hebrews 3.6. Yeah, which we've talked a lot about on the podcast. Let's take our last break. So I think we can move on to the... Well, one thing I want to say about this, one more thing before we leave it, is uh, this also show we're, We've kind of made the bigger leaping picture of where this is going to go, but this also speaks to just how corrupt the religious system was at the time of Jesus. I mean, we, Jesus mentioned before about their love of money. I mean, this thing has gotten worse than ever. Like, it's been bad all along, and he makes the case here with the parable, but it's particularly bad now. And you can tell that because every time there's an answer for them to make with some bit of clarity, they can't even make an answer. They have no. I thought about this guy, this senator from New Jersey, to show you how corruption works. Like, so they, they go in, they raid his house. It's full of gold bars, fresh $100 bills, minted. I mean, they're sticking together fresh, just all stacked and sewn into his suits and clothes. And so his answer to this obvious corruption, mean, he's got all these ties to Egypt. And, all, and so he says, well, everybody, you know, I'm just, it's just money I've been saving back for a rainy day. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> it's so obvious that you're everybody does that. hiding money. Yeah, everybody. I mean, doesn't everybody, everybody sew $100 bills and gold bars into the suits in their closets? And in and, and this light, when you look at it, it's so obviously corrupt. But then the people who are corrupt say, well, no, it's just I have every right to have closets full of cash and gold because, you know, I'm just saving for a rainy day. So that's his argument. But it reminds me of these guys. It's like they look at the history of everything that's happened. They're so corrupt. They're so much lovers of money. Jesus points it out, and they're like, well, you're the problem. Exactly. If we just shut you up, then we're going to be fine. That's why the world, and I mean the world like the far left, they do so many mov- movies about attacking corporate America and you know the oil people and even the government you know, misusing all the, all the money. Right. And religion, you know, some religions, are it's all about money. You yeah. know? But they lump that in there and throw out the true kingdom dwellers who operate by Jesus's principle. So, but, but what I was saying is Jesus is really the most appealing option for these people. They just don't realize it. That's right. I mean, he, he is all about helping the poor, the downtrodden, the, where injustice happens. I mean, he was on the forefront of all of those issues. Yeah. And you would think they would embrace that, but. It's just kind of weird that you would think he would never be the champion of all those issues that yeah. they can't be any further away from yeah, that's a good point. by the way they live. And I like the way he framed that about the cornerstone, that if you fall on it, you'll be busted to pieces. If it falls on you, you'll be crushed. In other words, there's no way around me. You may think there is, but there's not. And and I thought back. Well, he's going to prove it when he comes back from the dead, which right. is getting into our point about why light, you know, the world is so messed up. Is because anything other than Jesus, it doesn't matter. That's right. If we're just m- molecules floating around without a purpose, without an origin, or, and without any kind of way of sustaining life, okay. <laughs> well, just whatever your mind can conceive, let's try it. Right. And so that's why he said, John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. And then Peter says that in Acts 4, 12, there is no other name under heaven by which men can be saved. He was repeating that to the same people Jesus was talking to after he was raised from the dead. All right, I want to read this passage so we can talk about it a little bit because we're almost out of time. 
and then we'll talk about some in overtime as well because we've been alluding to it. But it is the perfect – now you see the next step. Now they're wanting to kill him, but they're trying to do it in a way where they can still appease to the people. So verse 20 of Luke 20, keeping a close watch on him, they sent spies. So now, now it's not just them there. They're sending in people who are just look like a normal person. You know, They're person pretending in the to be honest. That's right. So what, a, what a statement! Pretending to be honest. I mean, doesn't that making Jesus saw him coming? <laughs> doesn't that just sum up their whole mindset? And and it's something we've all done. Yeah, you know, not. I mean, we're throwing them on the bus, but we've all in moments pretended to be honest. That's right. When we're being dis, I can give you a handful of illustrations from my kids at various stages of their life where they're like, "Well, I no, I don't know what happened." I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a that, that's key. That we all got a we all got a little bit of the Pharisee heart in us. I oh, think it's there, and we all have those yeah. experiences. Think, think how many people yesterday who heard your sermon whose life is an absolute debacle, Disaster. who were hearing what you said. That's right. And in that moment, didn't respond. You say, why? Because they were pretending to be honest. Like, oh, that was great. That was fantastic. I mean, you yeah, just brother. there was too many people in the room. That's right. For there not to be people who don't care if Jesus was shot, hung, or who he was. No, you're right. No, it's a problem. I mean, we have to be real here. You know, you, you, we have narratives in our minds that are uncomfortable for us because we have to look at ourselves and what yeah. we're doing and how we're viewing our money. And They hope it, to catch Jesus in something he said so they may hand him over, hand him over to authority. Yeah, yeah they're so, trying to do him in. So that's they're in there with spies trying to find one. Just think about being cornered, somebody trying to corner you up and trap you and then kill you. Well, about well, well also Phil, if you, you share Jesus out there, people are going to do the same thing. It shows you how powerless they are ultimately because they couldn't even do anything to him anyway. Well, well, we'll finish it out. So we, we only got a couple So, minutes. So the spies questioned him, these people pretending to be honest, in verse 21, Teacher, we know that you speak and teach what is right and that you do not show partiality, but teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. And I always say, when I read that, I would say, watch it when people flatter you, because whatever's coming next is a sucker punch to the kidney. Mm -hmm. Is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? You know, because you're always so fair and right-minded. He saw through their duplicity and said to them, show me a denarius, because he didn't have one, as Jason made the point, Whose portrait and inscription are on it? So here's another question to a question. Caesar's, they replied. He said to them, then give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. Another drop mic. They were unable to trap him in what he had said there in public and astonished by his answer, so they became silent. <laughs> I mean, it's just another. But now we're getting obviously deeper and deeper into this, because as I read, when we get to Luke 23, they're just going to lie about that. They're going to say, oh, he, he said we don't have to pay taxes to Caesar, which is not. Well, yeah, but he did. I mean, there was a lot more in there in that because he did have the, you know, Caesar representing, like I said, the son of the divine. I said that last podcast, right. uh, the priest and him, and him being king. Right. Well, here's Jesus. That's what he's claiming. Yeah. He's the son of God. He's king and priest. Right. So 
him by saying that it's and this coin was Caesar. He he made money from his own wealth. Yeah. And so it's it's kind of crazy that he he comes up with a tax system and you're supposed to pay this right. to, to show that I've made you a citizen. You ought to be privileged to do this of mine. So it's really about who is Lord. So he, he answers it in a way that is just incredible because he, I mean, it's basically like give him his little coin. Because to us in the true kingdom of God, it's just a piece of metal. Yeah. <laughs> With some guy's face on it face who, on. who thinks he's king. So so we're out of time. And so we're going to go to overtime now. Talk a little bit more about this uh, idea because I think there was the the way they went at this was very pointed because nobody likes to pay taxes, so that's my... Well, and he made them ask a question to themselves, well, what is God's? That's right, because then you get into that. Say, which is everything? <laughs> so uh, if you want to follow us over, blazetv.com slash unashamed. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube, and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.